Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for the ministries of Kid Town and the student ministry and Lord, the glory that they have brought to you and Lord, the souls that have been saved and the foundation that's been laid, a biblical one that many have gone on to build on and stand on. And Lord, I personally, we personally, Lori and I, we want to say thank you for the quality biblical investment of Kid Town and the student ministry into the lives of our children. Lord, it has not been in vain, and we thank you for how you have used it and how you use it to provoke them to love you, to love your word, to desire to obey you, to desire to evangelize, to desire to just give their lives to whatever pleases you. And Lord, we just thank you um, that we have uh, ministries for our youth that aren't just babysitting and entertaining, but they're actually investing your word into your children. And Lord, it's, it's wonderful. So thank you. And we just trust you with the things that we heard tonight about Kid Town and student ministry that God you will see those things through for your glory in Jesus name amen a man asked his neighbor if he could borrow his lawnmower and his neighbor responded by saying no because all the flights from New York to LA have been canceled so his neighbor said well I'm sorry I don't understand what does it have to do with me borrowing your lawnmower. And his neighbor said, absolutely nothing, but if I don't want you to use my lawnmower, then one excuse is as good as another. <laughs> right? Excuses, particularly as they relate to the things of God, are very much like this. They're irrelevant. They don't matter. They mean nothing. We're going to be in Luke 14. This is going to be where we're going to launch from in terms of this last season of prayer tonight, beginning in verse 16. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come. For all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excuse. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore, I cannot come. So to get our doctrinal footing here, in terms of what we're looking at, the certain man in this parable pictures God the Father. The servant pictures his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The great supper here would be the kingdom, and the many that were bade to it 
the nation of Israel. The apostles, as we know, were commissioned not to go to the Gentiles, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and preach the gospel of the kingdom. That is what is in view regarding the statement, all things are now ready. But through their fall, their rejection of God's servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy, Romans chapter 11, verse 11. This is affirmed in the master of the house telling the servant to go out quickly and bring in those who weren't initially invited. That would be us, Gentiles. So that is a doctrinal snapshot of what we're looking at here in this parable. But what we want to do now is narrow our focus from an applicational perspective, because I do believe that we have some here. And what I want to call your attention to is that all of the men that we're dealing with here in this parable, in terms of the ones that gave excuses, they were all adults. These were all adult men. So Pastor Bess shared with you his heart for Kidtown and how we can be praying for that age group in our church. Pastor Gracier shared his heart for you for junior high and high school students and how we can be praying there. My focus, my burden tonight is to share with you how we can be praying for us as adults and what God would have us to consider from that perspective. And what is of interest about this parable from a practical perspective is that the excuses that were given are the same excuses that are given today by adults. They're the same ones. These are the shallow reasons for why people justify why they can be excused or why they as adults should be the exception to what God has called them to. And so it's very clear in terms of they, they sit in this room, whether it be a night like this or Sunday or in a Sunday fellowship or something like that, a small group Bible study, and, and they're exposed to truth and, and, and they know what the Holy Spirit is calling them to based on what God is saying in and through his word in this place, but yet uh, these excuses, they resurface. They just come up over and over and over again. And let me just say, if you are in ministry leadership to adults, whether that be Kaya or all of us who are adults, uh, these excuses become very familiar to you if you're in ministry leadership. Here are the reasons for why I can't respond to that. Here are the reasons why I can't follow through. Here's why I should be the exception to evangelize. Here's why I should be the exception to becoming a disciple indeed and giving my life to making them. Here's why I am disqualified from participating in world missions. That's not for me. And it's gonna be some of the reasons that we're exposed to here. The first one is found in verse 18. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. I want to be very careful to point out that 
This is how the Bible perceived their responses. They weren't responses, they were excuses. Just so we're clear. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. That makes as much sense as the reason that the neighbor gave for why he could not loan out his lawnmower. All the flights from New York to LA are canceled. What does it have to do with anything? Had he really purchased land without seeing it? I doubt it. You would never make that level of a transaction blindly, would you? But even if that were the case, which that is extremely doubtful that it was, this supper would have been held at night. So, what are you going to look at? How can you see it? There were no LED lights back then. The first excuse is the result of materialism. That's what we're dealing with here. And this is very consistent. This is a real issue with believers in the Laodicean age. This is an age where believers are rich and increase with goods, and they have need of nothing, including the Lord. Their sufficiency is found in the inventory of their possessions. So the more that they have, the more content and sufficient they try to be. Let me just tell you that the United States of America is not a bad place for a Laodicean believer. It's not. As an adult believer in this country, you can acquire academic credentials that pave the way to a six-figure salary, that then pave the way for you to acquire a very fine home in the zip code of your choice, suburban, of course. And praise the Lord if that's your story. However, if you aren't careful, that becomes your excuse for why you can only say yes to Jesus as Savior, but no to him as Lord. I'm very content with you being my Savior. No issues there. And it's one of the lies that you'll hear Christians tell, and they tell it very well. And it flows off the tongue so smoothly. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Let's talk about that. Is he really? Is, I mean, Savior, yeah, I, no, no, you've made a genuine profession of faith, but this lordship issue, can we look at your calendar? Can we uh, look at your checkbook? Can we uh, take your decisions and put them under the microscope of God's word and really see if he's Lord? Because I'm afraid that if we take your decisions and we place them under the microscope of the Word of God, under the examination of the Holy Spirit of God, I'm afraid that what we might see, what we might find are excuses. Verse 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Again, 
This would have been at night. <laughs> Again, flights from New York to LA have been canceled. I mean, are you really going to go prove these oxen at night? You, you can't do that at night. What John Deere equipment means to a farmer today, oxen meant to farmers at this time. So the excuse here is work. And oh boy, is this a good one. This is the card that people play that trumps all cards. If I play this card, you got nothing. You got no response. If I tell you, yes, I, I, I would love to be all in with the Lord. I, I, I would love to be all about this discipleship thing. I, man, I, I would give my life to it. And I will someday, as soon as my work affords me to. I mean, after all, who, especially men, who, who wants to be called worse than an infidel? Oh, no, can't do that. It's of extreme importance to me that my son in particular develops and maintains a very healthy and strong work ethic. That's very critical. But what matters more than that is the establishment of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in his life. That's everything to me. That Jesus is not only his savior, but he's truly his Lord. As I've come to understand it, for many adults, they have appointed their calling, their mission, and life is their career. It's work. It trumps everything. But as I understand it biblically, we are new creatures in Christ and if that is true, the rest of that tells us then that we are ministers of reconciliation and we are ambassadors for Christ. That's who we are. This excuse is the twin brother of the first one mentioned materialism. Because for some, the reason that their career is Lord in place of the Lord is because of a burden and a conviction to maintain their lifestyle. I've got this lifestyle that I've got to maintain. It's not that they can't have a home or drive a vehicle or take a vacation. It's not that, it's that they have to live in a certain neighborhood. It's that they have to drive a certain kind of vehicle and they have to take certain kinds of vacations. The ones that really light up on Facebook. The, the type of home where you invite people and they go, wow. It's a conviction for that lifestyle. So guess what? The mission is no longer being a disciple indeed and making them. That's not it. 
Well, we'll leave that to the younger people because they're single and they have more time and they've got more energy. So we'll let them give themselves to that, but there's no way. I can, see, here's the deal. I have an excuse. I have a very important career that I've been called to. No, actually, you've been called to the ministry of reconciliation and to be an ambassador for Christ. That's what you've been called to. But no, the mission for many adults is maintaining their lifestyle, listen, at the expense of the Lord's mission. Listen, if a career is so demanding, if it is so demanding that it is making it impossible for you to live out what the Lord has called you to, and you've prayed about it and that hasn't changed and the hours only get longer and the demands only get higher, then why is it that so many adults choose to downsize the Lord, but they won't downsize their life. So if I've got a career that is draining me and sucking the life out of me, is the Lord in his glory, is the mission that he has called you to, is that not worth you taking a substantial pay cut selling that massive home in that wonderful neighborhood and buying a smaller home and downsizing your life. Is the Lord not worth that? If that's what he called you to, why is it always the other way around? I marvel I marvel that there are believers who will actually, again, here we go, we're talking about excuses here, but, but, but they, will, they will try to justify why they can't tithe. I, I just can't make that work. But let, me, let me look at this. So, okay, so you're giving GMAC $350 a month. You give T-Mobile $150 a month. You pay Spectrum $150 a month. You have your kids in dance school and soccer. And you went to Disney World for the summer. And you can't afford to tithe. Come on. Let's not kid ourselves. You have every bell and whistle that Laodicea offers you. These are excuses. A question that I have come to ask, and I never ask this question to get an answer because there is not a sufficient one. But anytime someone is trying to talk to me about why they can't move forward, why they can't continue, why they can't finish discipleship one, Always ask this question. So, let me ask you, what are you going to do instead of coming after Jesus Christ 
as a disciple indeed. What else is there to do besides that? And I've heard men fumble and stumble and try and answer that question. That's the whole point. What else is there for you to do besides come after him as a disciple indeed? Finally, verse 20, and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Oh boy, this one's good too, isn't it? Family. Materialism, work, and family. If I can be explicitly clear, one of the most gut-wrenching, horrific scenes in adult ministry is watching husbands and fathers, listen very carefully, sow death into their families. Horrific. And as a pastor, you're like, which is we all live this, you talk to any Sunday fellowship pastor, and I'll tell you, this is, you're like standing, you're at the edge of the cliff and you're begging. You're begging. Your heart is burdened, your heart is heavy, your heart is bursting, and you're trying to get their attention, and you're trying to have the Lord use you to shake them and wake them up and say, stop this. What am I talking about? By allowing their wives and their children to be in and out of this place. Listen. Wherever I have seen that, and whenever I see that, I'm telling you, the ending is very unkind. And many do it under the pretense of, well, this is somehow what's best for my family. But what you're actually doing, husband and father, is that you are teaching them somehow that the things of God in the Christian life are electives. They're optional. And then, these are the parents whose, their hearts are ripped out when it becomes crystal clear to them that when their children graduate from high school, they also graduate from God. And the parents can't understand why. <laughs> I can't believe this. How did this happen? Where did this come from? You've been giving them this script for years because you're one of these men. Family, work, materialism, and after four years of college, unofficially, they attain degrees in agnosticism, if not atheism. That was mom and dad's faith, that hokey pokey. Those are nice little Sunday school stories, but it's fictional. When it comes to family men, the best thing we can do in the home 
is establish the preeminence of Christ. Not the family, not work, not the things of this world, but Christ. Let me give you some prayer requests and we'll wrap up here. There are some men who have not drawn a line in the sand that says, I am absolutely all in on being a disciple indeed and making them. I'm all in. For those who are there, maybe tonight is the night that you say, I'm done with the excuses. Uh, listen, I'm, let, me, let me just challenge the, the, well, we got hangout tonight. We, got, we have a lot of singles in the room, but not that we've ever done anything perfect. We never will, especially if I'm in the picture. But I remember when my wife and I were dating and our relationship was getting rather serious and I could see that we were progressing toward marriage, I made it very clear. You will never be number one. And I have no desire to be your number one. He must have the preeminence in all things. If you're single and you're trusting God for a mate, I beg you, do not marry someone that wants to say, I'm your mission. I'm your focus. I want to possess the throne of your life. I want to sit on that. So I want you to marry me and I want your mission from there to be all about making sure I'm happy. I'm so thankful so very thankful to be married to a woman who never says to me, what about me? And she's had to make some sacrifices over the years, as every pastor's wife has to. But she has never tried to stand between me and what the Lord has called me to. And I'm thankful. Be praying for adults to mortify the excuses for why the true mission is not preeminent. Here's what I know. If you really want to do what's right, according to God's word, God will always make a way for you to do what's right. There isn't a possession, there isn't a career, and there isn't a family situation that the Lord cannot overcome. If the desire of your heart is to truly live the Great Commission. And then for eyes to be open to see how the Lord sees our excuses. How does he see them? Look at verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, then the master of the house being angry. Angry. He's not okay with the excuses. And listen, I've done this long enough. Some of you will get mad at me. Well, let me just tell you, if you're living one of these excuses, I'm the least of your worries. 
you got a problem. He's not pleased. So it's 8.30, we're actually done at this time, so we can't break into groups, but can we agree that you'll take these prayer requests with you and pray for our adults? We've gotta make disciples or we gotta die trying. Now let me just, in all honesty, um, that was, I hijacked that quote from one Jim Harbaugh. But I made it better. Jim Harbaugh was asked early in the season last year about Ohio State, our biggest rival, and he goes, we're gonna beat them or die trying. Okay, we beat them by the way, go blue. Hey, adults, we're going to make disciples indeed, and we're going to be disciples indeed or die trying. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Eric to come and wrap us up. Listen, please go get your children. But if you want to come, some of you may need to come and say, God, I'm, I'm drawing a line tonight. I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with the excuses. I'm all in. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It is always on time. And it's always appropriate for what we need to hear. God, whatever we've heard from you tonight, let us not make an excuse. Let us respond. In Jesus' name, amen.